0: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Derby under-23s to my villa under-23s. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan.
1: What a farce that was. Justin, you right? Yeah, not bad. I've had the last 10 minutes of you lambasting me for being late, even though you were late as well. But other than that, I'm tip-top. I mean, you are an hour late. You're half an hour late. Slightly...
0: I think that's twice as late as I am, so (laughs) we won't go into that anymore, but either way, we are now halfway through the season, ladies and gentlemen, and we've had no championship games this weekend because it's been the FA Cup, so what better time to do a mid-season review, I've been looking forward to this so much, this is going to be an episode where we have our team of the season, we're going to be revealing our front runners. For promotion, our player of the season so far. A player we think is going to have a better 2021. A team who we think is going to have a better 2021. And a team who we think might struggle in 2021 compared to how they've been doing in 2020. We've of course also got the news, plenty of transfer news happening over the past week or so, we have the polls and then we'll finish up with a little game. So we'll start off with the team of the season, Justin. There's only one rule in this and it is that the players must have played at least half of their games in the championship this season. Which unfortunately rules out Christian Bielik. <laughs> I would have 100% put him in. Uh, so we'll start off with the goalkeeper position, Justin. We've both gone 4-4-2. It's worth pointing out. Standard English formation. Um so have you gone with in goal, Justin? Just before we start, I think
1: this season has been so much easier than last season. Like last season after what we only had like a couple of left backs to talk about. This season we've got like four or five. So it was actually a lot harder to break it down. But alas, we got there in the end. Um, so yeah, keeper, I've gone with um, I've gone with none other than David Rea so, I don't think he's the most outstanding goalkeeper In the division, but I think there's more to his game Than just being a goalkeeper Which is a bit weird to say um, But his distribution this season has been unreal uh, He's played the most accurate short passes In the league, which isn't hard when you're a goalkeeper Because you mainly just pass decent centre-halves um, And as well as that, he's made the 10th Most accurate long balls in the league Which again, is 10th, he's not up there But Brentford aren't a direct team Goalkeepers ahead of him are from teams like Wickham, Cardiff Where they have a focal point up front So they're playing to the big man he's, He doesn't have a focal point Ray is getting long balls to feet via throwing and kicking it Simple as that And he's been a catalyst for a lot of Brentford counter-attacks this season And he's a massive Brentford. He's a massive asset for Brentford He's kept seven clean sheets as well Which is a tidy, tidy return He's a really good goalkeeper And he's getting better and better and better
0: I would disagree with you. I don't think he's been one of the standout goalkeepers in the division for me this season. He's, without a doubt, a quality keeper at this level. Uh, But I I feel like there's just two others who stood out for me. I think the the, the thing is, when you're talking about goalkeepers, you're basing it mostly on saying to that goalkeeper, wow, you have single-handedly won your team points this season. I think that's the biggest compliment you can give a goalkeeper. And there were two who stood out for me with that in mind. Adam Davies at Stoke, who was playing out of his skin before getting injured. But fortunately, he's not played half the games for Stoke this season, so he just misses out. The only other real standout for me in the goalkeeping position was Tim Krul at Norwich. He himself has had injury problems recently. But when he's been fit, he has single-handedly won points for Norwich this season. I know... People aren't a massive fan of expected goals and some people would rather us not talk about it at all. But Norwich's expected goals defensively this season isn't very good. And that usually means the opposition isn't taking chances against them. And I think part of that is down to Tim Crawl having games where he just becomes a wall in front of the Norwich goal. The man was superb for them in the Premier League last season and he's carried that form on into the Championship this season. For my money, he's the best all-round goalkeeper in the league. And he has also been in top form, which is a bloody good mix when you're a goalkeeper. Um, Justin, you can go again. Who is your right back? It's
1: Conor Roberts at Swansea.
0: I have also gone for Conor <sighs> Roberts at Swansea. It's a no-brainer. I think it is a no-brainer. Why have you picked him?
1: He doesn't have, you know, an amazing dribbling ability that most or some wing back wing backs have. You know, failed wingers going back to right back. He's got so much more than that. His fitness is unbelievable, and the timing the timing of his runs in the box has made him so good in his role. He's shown on so many occasions that he can arrive, arrive late in the box, create chances. He's picked up a couple of goals as well. And as well as that, he's averaged like second most key passes this season. Yeah, which is. A tidy start from a right wing-back. He's so important to Swansea's width as well because obviously they play quite narrow um, with their main players through the middle and then obviously the wing-backs create a lot of width. So what a what a season he's having. What a season. If you said a winger
0: was picking up the second most chances um, created in the Championship this season, you'd say that's bloody impressive. But when it's a, a wing-back, it's just remarkable. For quite some time now, he has been one of if not the best right-back in the Championship. And it's a bit crazy that he's still playing at this level, really, because Mm -hmm. you'd have thought he'd get into the majority of Premier League sides. He is that good. Um, Going forwards, as you say, he's crossing his spot on, and he can pick a pass as well. The man has got lungs like a horse. He never stops running. Uh, Unfortunately, we don't have the data on who does the most running in the Championship, but I would bet a lot of money... That he's top, and then defensively he's superb, and that's shown by the fact he's in the tightest defence in the league and one of the tightest the championships ever seen. He's actually more of a wing back than a full back, but mm. either way, he's the ideal player in that position, especially in the model game. And it says a lot when a wing back has been one of the most influential players in a side who's currently second in the division. Connor Roberts, no brainer as you say. Uh, I'll go next. Sticking with the Swansea theme in defence, I've gone for Mark Gurhey. And I was just saying a moment ago how the Swansea defence, in terms of goals conceded, is the best in the league and one of the best ever in the championship. All five of the usual back line who play for Swansea deserve a lot of praise. But Mark Gurhey probably deserves it the most. I gave him a shed load of praise not too long ago, Justin, so I won't go on for too long about how much... I love him. But we're talking about someone who puts in a 7 out of 10 performance at least in every game. He's a remarkable player. One of the first names I put down in this team because he's just a class act. 20 years old, but he plays like an experienced pro. And he reads the game marvellously. He makes it look so easy. And when you're doing that at such a young age, you have got yourself a big future
1: in the game. Justin, have you gone with Mark Gurhey as well? I haven't. Ooh, I found it incredibly difficult not to pick any Swansea centre halves, which gives it away a little bit. But I've gone with Paddy McNair as my first my first centre back. I've
0: also gone with Paddy McNair, but as my other centre backs, why have you picked him?
1: I've I've picked Paddy McNair because for me he's the most he's one of the most complete players in the league. You can literally play him anywhere, and he'll he'll give you as you said, Mark Mark Gehry, seven out of ten. Paddy Paddy McNair will give you seven out of ten in any position he's played, um, and as well as that. Neil Warnock's got the best out of him by giving him by giving him a three a free reign at centre half, and, and for for Borough who that can be quite rigid, uh, it gives them a lot more flexibility going forward. And there's a reason why we called him McBeacon there not too long ago, liking him to McBeckenbauer because he plays that sweeper role so well. And as well as that, you know, he, he's got, he's good in the air. He's a good tackler. He's got a football brain. He can run with the ball and he's got an incredibly underrated delivery I think back to the Marcus Brown goal against Bournemouth at the start of the season where he swung the ball in from deep right right into Marcus mm. Brown's path it was beautiful and that's why Paddy McNair isn't is there for me because he's one of the most complete players in the league and he's having such a consistent season he deserves to get a mention
0: he's got four assists from centre back this season yeah. It says a lot about him, how well he is bringing the ball out from the back. It is a master stroke from Neil Warnock, Mm -hmm. dropping him back into defence, isn't it? Because he's mostly been a midfielder for the past few years of his career. He can also play a full-back, but it's been the best move that Neil Warlock's done because he's been so, so good at the heart of that Middlesbrough defence. I know you say I overuse this term, Justin, and you hate me using it, but he is a Rolls-Royce oh, player gosh. because he is classy and he plays the game with such style. He, I could not agree more. Paddy McNair deserves his place in this mid-season team of the year so far. Uh, so who's your other centre-half, Justin?
1: I've gone with Harry Souter. Now, the reason why I've gone with Harry Souter is because... It, He's having a breakout season for Stoke, and Stoke are one of the best uh, defenses in the league, especially of late. Uh, you know he's come from, where well, he came from Fleetwood. He was on loan at Fleetwood last season. He's had plenty of plaudits in that time, and it, and it proves that you don't need to throw money to find good players. You've got one on your books here, uh, and Harry Suter is having a, a really good season. And what is you know, they had Martins Indi, Kevin Wimmer, And as I say, the big money signings, but it's Harry Souter. You know, it was, I think it was a marginal fee from from Hearts or what not too long ago. Oh, Dundee. It was one of the two. It was a Scottish somewhere in Scotland. <laughs> somewhere in Scotland. Um, and it just, as I say, it just shows you that you don't need to throw money at, at things. There's a good player here, and he's six foot six. He's ridiculously tall. Mm, he's a big lad. He's a big lad. Uh, yeah, he's having a really good season for Stoke, and he's been important for them. Really important for them uh, yeah. with, their, with their defensive record. Kind of carrying on from what you
0: were saying. If you just give a lad, a young lad, a chance, then sometimes they can surprise you, and that's pretty much what he's done. I, I had a um, suitor down on my bench. I haven't actually wrote down a bench, but <laughs> he was, he would have been my third choice um, if I were to have a bench. Uh, let's move over to left back, Justin. I think we've got the same one here, haven't yes. we? Have we got yes. Callum Styles at Barnsley? Good. Good shout. Uh, When you talk about the best pairs of full-backs slash win-backs in the Championship, for me, it's between Swansea and Barnsley. So it's only fair I have one on each flank, no? Uh, But what a season this lad is having. Last season, he barely played for Barnsley. He only started five games. And he's mainly been a centre-mid in his fairly young career so far. But he's been given his chance this season. And he's bloody taken it, hasn't he? He
1: has, he has. I, I... Can't think back to a player who's been as consistent as he is in his in their first season. Uh, you know, he came from Barry. He's a centre mid, as you say. He's been moved to left wing back, and he's he's taken to that role so effortlessly. He averages the most tackles per game in the whole league. Uh, yeah, it's three point two, which is quite ahead of second place. They average two point seven. Whoever's in second place, uh, and he's so good that uh, Barnsley have let go. Well, did, decided not to extend Matty James's loan deal. Because they're going to move Callum Styles into centre mid. He's so good that he's going to slot straight across, and um, yeah, he's been so good at left wing back. There's no, there's, there's not been one player anywhere near him in terms of his ability and quality this season. He's got one head over left foot on him
0: mm-hmm. as well. He's really grasped this opportunity that he's been given uh, on the left hand side for Barnsley, and I've loved seeing him play. He's incredibly exciting. Still just twenty, I think. Yeah. So another one who's still got a massive. A uh, few years ahead of him. Uh, let's go to right wing, Justin. I think this is one of the positions that was pretty set in stone, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Emmy Brendier at
1: Norwich. Why have you picked him? I, I've barely written any notes from Emmy Brendier because it just speaks for itself. Uh, he's got the most outstanding ability in the league by, by far uh, he averages the most key passes so his most chances up per game which is 3.3 again miles ahead of second place 13 goal contributions in 19 games and he's been the difference between draws and wins from Norwich this season I think he's I don't want to you know, be too extreme with it but I think he's one of the reasons why Norwich have been able to stay in the top two
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. I remember at the start of the season, I looked at the three relegated sides and each one had a player who I thought was far too good for the championship. Bournemouth had David Brooks, Watford had Ishmael Assar and Norwich had Emi Brendia. The first two have had a couple of issues stopping them from showing how good they really are, but that's not been the case with Emi Brendia, who in terms of pure technical ability has got to be the best player in the championship. It's worth remembering at the very start of the season, he didn't start too well. Mm -hmm. He was being linked with a move away. And that seemed to be having an impact on his game. But once the transfer window closed, he's knuckled down and said, right, I'll show these clubs what they're missing out on. And boy, are they missing out. And it's got to the point now where he's been linked with Arsenal. And how many 24-year-olds have there been who've been playing in the Championship who are linked with a traditional big six club? I can't really remember too many off the top of my head. Um, you've got to be a seriously talented player for that to be the case. And and he is, as you mentioned, most chances created in the league the most shots per game by a midfielder the second most assists in the league the most goals by a midfielder i could go on (laughs) he's a cheat code in the championship just as simple as that and i seriously do wonder where norwich would have been without him this season and where they could be if they go on to lose him this month but i don't want it to go because i just love watching him play Let's move into centre-mid then, Justin. I think we've got the same one here. Lewis
1: Cook at Bournemouth? We have picked Lewis Cook, yes.
0: Good. I'll uh, kick off with him then, because similar to Brandia, I don't think he should have come down to the Championship, really. (laughs) If I was a Premier League club, I would have looked at this superbly talented player and thought, oh, he's with a relegated side. We could get him at a cut price here, but it's the second tier's gain, I suppose, because <laughs> he's been so crucial to Bournemouth's promotion push this season and he's crucial to the way they play. The majority of teams who um, turn up against Jason Tindall's boys, they sit back. So uh, you're playing a huge a uh, high line uh, against these teams and you're trying to play as wide as possible to try and stretch them. Um, and, you need someone like Lewis Cook in the middle of the park to dictate the play and have the ability to break teams down. And he's the perfect man for that job. The number of times I've seen this season uh, where he's effortlessly controlling the game for Bournemouth um, is remarkable and Bournemouth would severely miss him if he wasn't there because he knits the whole team together. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh,
1: you've, you've pretty much nailed it. Uh, you know, he. With with Bournemouth, they've got such a you know such a good attack, such a good uh, wasn't one you know a bit a bit of a concert you know music concert, and you need a, a an orchestra to control that, yeah. and Lewis Cook does it perfectly. And he, if it wasn't for his, I think he had a couple of knee injuries where he was out for a really long time. If it wasn't for that, he'd be in the England team. Mm. There's there's no doubt about that. He'd be in the England team, and that's all we, you know, that's all we really have to say on Lewis Cook because he goes about his business. And he doesn't need goals and assists to to back that up because he he controls games the way he does.
0: I think he was in the England squad a few times, wasn't he? Yeah. And he was just a case of making that next step and he hasn't got the chance to do that, mainly because of Bournemouth struggling on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd agree. I, I don't think his England career is over by any means. I could definitely see him back in the England squad in the next few years or so depending on how his career progresses from here really Uh, let's move on to the other centre mid Justin we need to stop agreeing with each other here uh, because that's three in a row
1: where Mm -hmm. we've uh,
0: agreed so who is your other centre mid
1: I've gone with George Savile at Borough what an all-round player he's become and if you look back in history at Neil Warnock's sides and I think I said it not too long ago earlier on in the season they're built on solid centre midfield pairings. You had Nick Montgomery and Michael Brown at Sheffield United, two tough tackling midfielders. You had Gunnarsson and Gruyich, you know, tough tackling, hard working midfielder alongside a, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a not a showboater but a playmaker in, in Gruyich at Cardiff. And at Borough, he's got Saville and Houseman, and it's Saville who's been ridiculously good this season. He makes late runs into the box, picks up goals. He's surprisingly good in the air. He's re- mm. he's actually very very good in the air, and he, the way he re- arrives late in the box and gets on the end of crosses is is Super for a central midfielder. He's become a massive asset for for Borough. When before you'd have probably thought he's another wasted. I think that's over three or four million they spent on him. It was a large amount of money they spent on him. It was a puulous, uh, a weird Pulis transfer where they threw money. And you think, really? But actually, he's, he's showing that potential now, and he's been so good for Borough this season. He's he's got a lovely left foot as well, and yeah, it's it's, it's he's an important cog in that Borough midfield. He certainly has been one of the most underrated players in the championship
0: this season and rather surprisingly, he's just been stupendous, hasn't he? Uh, My other centre mid is Coventry's Gustavo Hammer (laughs) and this is another player who I've spoken about at length very recently, so I won't talk about him for too long. But pound for pound, he's got to be one of, if not the signing of the season. He's been playing a standard above his teammates. And that's no disrespect to the rest of the Coventry side. But I don't think they'd be 16th right now if it wasn't for Gustavo Hammer. They signed him from PC Zwoll in Holland in July for around a £1 million. And his stats were impressive in the Eredivisie last season. So I had high expectations. And he's more than matched them. He's created more chances than any other central midfielder. Which I think is pretty damn remarkable when he's in a size that's been near the bottom of the league for so much of the season so far and the possession battle will have gone against him on many occasions uh, even when you watch him he catches the eye as someone technically gifted I love watching him play um, and Coventry fans have been telling me relentlessly on Twitter over the past week or so how they're surprised that they managed to get him because he is so so good um, Justin let's go on to the left wing position you can kick
1: us off here who are you gone with Michael Elise, wow, what a player and it it pains for me to say it and I'm sure Reading fans are sort of they don't want to believe it but it's going to happen it's a shame we won't see him for another season I think this is last season in the Championship the reason why, you know, his contract's running down so the likely scenario is Reading going to cash in at some point but this season, let's enjoy him while we can because he's only 19 he's one of the best teenagers I've seen come through in the Championship and I I really do mean that He, he is up there he compares a number ten, he's actually very good as a number ten and he's got the ability to operate on either wing as well, which is probably why he's on the left hand side because he has played on the left this season for, for Reading. And he's got eight assists. And we said not too long ago that having that arrogance, it's a good arrogance to have, but having that arrogance is so important for players like him because that's that can be a difference. You look at Eberichi Eze who played with that arrogance and it was such a pleasure to watch and Michael Elise falls into that same bracket. Panovic has managed him perfectly this season. I'm delighted he's broken through the way he has because it could have fallen flat. Um, But yeah, a big, big player and he's going to go for a a fair amount of money. I'm just in awe of his ability. He's, as I say, one of the best teenagers I've seen playing in the Championship.
0: I completely agree. Uh, I haven't gone for him as my left winger though. I've gone for another young player. I've gone for Tyrese Campbell at Stoke. Uh, But this one is just sad. You're shaking your head because you're sad I'm (laughs) as sad Um, a bit of backstory off this first Tyrese Campbell a promising young player had a few cameo appearances last season and showed potential this season he stepped up and it looked like this was his time but then he got injured last month and is now out for the season it's terrible news for him Stoke and the league really because one of the real pleasures of covering the championship is seeing young players cut their teeth at this level before going on to greater things. And he probably will still do that, but he's had half a season of his career taken away from him and you can't help but feel sorry, uh, especially when that first half of the season was so good. He's still just 20 before he got injured. It's worth pointing out at the points where he played his last game, only three players had more goal contributions than him. And it was turning out to be a real breakout season and it was a massive blow for Stoke because he provided a spark and a bit of flair in a team That quite often lacks that, really. Uh, Hopefully, he comes back even stronger because from what we've seen this season, he looked to be heading on course to go to the very top. Just in, the striker position. It's worth pointing out, there's been a very high standard of strikers in the championship (laughs) this season. It says a lot when you've got someone like Timu Puki or Dominic Solanke, who have both had good seasons so far, but neither of them would have been in my top five yeah. Just so, yeah. just goes to show how good uh, the front men have been this season. But we've got one player who was an automatic inclusion in this. I think Ivan Tony. Yeah, you've got him in, now, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the man speaks for himself. Really, doesn't he? Sixteen goals this campaign. He's not scored in his last last three league games. And usually not scoring for a few games would be rather common for players. But considering Ivan Tony's form this season, it could be seen as a goal drought, I suppose. Uh, after 19 games, he had the second best goal scoring start to a season in the history of the championship with 16. Only Charlie Austin managed more for Burnley in 2012. Uh, he gets his goal. He gets in on his goal-scoring exploits alone, but you'd be mistaken if you thought he was just a goal poacher, because he is more than happy to drop deep, help link up the play. He's picked up four assists this season. One of them was a wonderful defence-splitting pass to set up Marcus Force against Stoke, I think it was. Uh, That's a perfect example of what else he can do. Marvellous player. Anything else you want to add, Justin?
1: Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, Brentford relied on him when others weren't performing at the start of the season, which is why he had such a good run of form uh, and uh, as you say he's gone a bit of a goal drought but it contributes to the all round play and other players have started to pick up which means the burden isn't left to him but he's taken to the championship as easily as I've seen any league one player step up he's, he's actually exceeded it he's made it look incredibly simple yeah I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head no no, there you go that's 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 what he's saying a, he's
0: a good player a very good
1: player. A very
0: good a player. Very good player. Um, the other striker position, we have also disagreed on Justin. Now, I've gone for Blackburn's Adam Armstrong. Uh, after everything I've just said about Ivan Tony. You've got to mention Adam Armstrong, who scored just as many as him. 16 this campaign. So for me, he's got to be in the side. The difference between Tony and Armstrong is Tony scored his goals consistently. Uh, there was a run of about 18 games where he only failed to score in three of them. Whereas Armstrong seems to score his in spurts. Um, but he has shown signs of slowing down recently. Very alarming signs, actually, if you're a Blackburn fan. He's only got two in his last nine. But in the first third of the campaign, he was simply clinical in fact he was deadly really uh, it has been coming for him to have a season like this last season something just seemed to click around December time and he's become this clinical hitman in front of goal and it's really carried on this season and hopefully this blip that he's going through now is just a blip and we don't see it carry on to the second half of the season who have you gone for as your other striker Justin?
1: So this, this should actually ratify your anti-, anti- Reading bias because there's there's absolutely no reason why this this guy should have been left out but it's it's lucasiao let's start with the the bones of it he's got 17 goal contributions in 17 games scored 13 assisted four all-round plays there his goals per 90 is 0.83 which is the highest in the league his minutes per goal is 109 minutes which is the lowest in the league which means he's you know more likely to score than any other striker in the league and he's he's only taken 37 shots and he's put away 35% of those of those shots, which is the highest goal conversion in the league. For me, he's the best all-round striker in the league. The the way he turns is unbelievable. There, are, I think there have been three or four goals this season where he's turned the defender, left him for dead, and put it into the bottom corner. There aren't many strikers who can do that. I think he's a lot better than Adam Armstrong, and I think he's been a lot better than Adam Armstrong this season. And it And it comes down to his efficiency in front of goal, his all-round play in front of goal with his team. He's been such a good player for Reading this season. I just don't think there's any argument for it. You accuse me of <laughs> Reading bias. Lucas Shaw would have been on my bench.
0: Um, I just think Adam Armstrong, considering how good a season Ivan Tony's had and Adam Armstrong has matched it pretty much, um I, I don't think, I think it's a bit far to say there's no argument that Lucas Jao should go in there. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's a bit dramatic.
1: I, I'm just going to say, Adam Armstrong's taken the uh, double amount of shots that Lucas Jao's taken. Lucas Charles only had 37 shots. Adam Armstrong's had 75.
0: That doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad player. Ronaldo shoots no, a
1: lot. No, I, I get that, but that's it's just setting efficiency in front of goal. If he was really, really good, you know, there are chances where he could probably square it to a teammate. And it lands to a teammate and they get a goal. But perhaps he's too selfish, which is why he's up there with shots taken and down there with goal conversion.
0: Just saying. It's an argument that could be made, but, you know, tomato, tomato. Um, Right, let's, (laughs) before we move on to some of the other um, things we want to um, kind of say, Justin, uh, let's just round up our team of the year so far. So for in goal, I've gone Tim Krull, right back Connor Roberts, defence Mark Gurhey, the other defender, um, Paddy McNair at Borough and Callum Styles left back in midfield I've got Emmy Brendia Lewis Cook Gustavo Hammer Tyrese Campbell and then up front Ivan Tony and Adam Armstrong just
1: in your team please I've gone with David Rea in goal Connor Roberts Paddy McNair Harry Suter and Callum Styles in my back four my midfield is George Savile, Lewis Cook in the middle Emmy Brendia and Michael Elise either side of them and Ivan Tony and Lucas Schauer print
0: what a bloody good pair of teams those are there uh, Justin before we have a break we'll do our player of the season so I imagine it's going to be someone who was in your team of the year that'll be a bit surprising if it wasn't so who have you gone for as your player of the season? Emi Emmy Okay. Emmy anything Bender. else you want to add? Anything you want to add on that or have you? do you think you kind of covered it enough
1: already? I think I've covered it enough and as I said he's been the difference between Norwich being in the automatics and being a bit lower He's made draws into wins and possibly potential defeats into, into draws. But obviously Tim Krull's had a say in that as you pointed out as well. But for me, Emmy Bandir has been miles ahead in terms of ability, consistency. Yeah. It's a no brainer again.
0: I've gone for Ivan Tony. Just because I think the big question in front of him was, can you fill the shoes of Ollie Watkins? They're big shoes, but he's more than filled them. In fact, he's probably struggling to fit in those shoes now because he's filled them so much but as a striker I can't see what more you could have asked for him top scorer in the league second most goals ever after 19 games of a season so for a goalscorer there aren't any there aren't any more boxes he can tick and then as I previously stated he's contributing to the build-up play as well he's without a shadow of a doubt my player of the season so far but Emmy Brendier would have been my second choice Justin let's have a break after that we shall name our players who we think will have a better 2021 the front runner for promotion teams that we think will get better and then which teams we think might drop off It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of Classic Football Shirts here because they offer you Classic Football Shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh, no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it, and I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, so you've just had our team of the season and our player of the season so far because we are at the middle point of the championship of course Uh, so now we shall name our team that we think is the promotion front runner the team that we think will get better in the second half of the campaign and which team we think might drop off but before we get to that justin let's do a player who we think will have a better 2021 who have you gone for
1: See, I've gone with Lucas Shaw. I've gone with a different take on it. Um, I think he's had a, a good 2020. Um, I think, well, last season's 2020 season, You know, he didn't have too much of a look, he was injured fairly often. But coming into this season, he's he stepped up and I think he can only get better. He's He's got a lot to show, he's got a lot to offer still because I think quite a lot of the time he's been written off as an inconsistent, injury-prone striker, whereas he's shown this season that his ability to play is there, is there for everybody to see. He showed it at Blackburn in a loan spell a couple of seasons ago. He scored some absolute storm, storming goals, really good goals. And now is the time for him to banish those injuries and show people just how good he is. Because as I say, he's got all the ability in the world, as, as I've said in the last 5, 10, 15 minutes in the episode. He's such a good player, and I think he's going to get better in this year. When I made this question,
0: I was thinking more players who haven't particularly lived up to expectations this season, not someone who's had the best season of his career. and Exactly.
1: That's exactly that, why I
0: chose him. No, no. The The point of this question was to, find, to name a player who you think has been a bit disappointing this season but can have a better second half of the season. You've just picked someone who's having the best season of his career, no. but how can he have a better 2021? Because he can get
1: better. I don't think we've seen anywhere near what he can do. He's going to get better. I got email okay. words if he doesn't, but he's going to get better. I mean he's on 13 goals this
0: season, so you're saying he's going to get 27 plus.
1: I'm not saying that. Well, that's kind of what you're saying when you 20, say a better 2021. 20, 20, 2021 is a is a year long oh, you know kind of thing that we that we live every year.
0: You have taken this question and thrown it in the trash. Um, I've gone for how I interpreted the question initially. And that's a player who hasn't lived up to expectations so far this campaign. But we could potentially see better in the second half of the season. And I've gone for Troy Parrott. At Millwall, because I was very excited when uh, they signed him on loan from Spurs at the start of the season. He's very highly thought of there, so I was hoping to see something similar to what we saw with Ryan Brewster at Swansea last season—a young, raw talent which we've heard a lot about, not really seen too much—and um, then he just set the Championship alight. He impressed in pre-season, then got injured in the Cowboy Cup, and only made his Championship debut in November. So a false start, but I was hoping he'd be able to kick on from there, but he hasn't. He's only started five league games since then and is still yet to score. Um, whether he's not been able to shake this injury that he's had or whether it's something else behind the scenes, we just don't know. But if this lad is as exciting a talent as one of the biggest clubs in the country would suggest, then there must be a player in there somewhere. So this is more about out of hope rather than expectation. But I think he can have a better 2021. can't be worse. much w- yeah. yeah, exactly. It can't be much worse <laughs> than his Millwall career so far. So why not? The thing is, Millwall need goals as well. And they've got five strikers on the books already. So unless someone leaves, I can't imagine they'll bring in another one. So we should get chances. It's just about taking them. So, Justin, we'll move on to the kind of team predictions, really. So we'll start off with the promotion front runner. This is the team who we think will, if we had to bet on it, which team we think will get promoted from the championship this season. Uh, we were saying not long ago that there are five teams, really, who seem to be separating themselves from the rest of the league at the top of the table. Which team
1: have you gone for? I've gone with Bournemouth. OK, tell me why. Uh, they can only get stronger. You look at the players that they've got. Uh, they had, a, I wouldn't say a slow start to the season, but they drew a lot of games. Lewis Cook came in, I think he transformed them a little bit. Uh, and as I say, the players that they possess, they can just they can only they can only they can only improve. Dan Juma, for example, has only made twelve appearances this season. He's been in and out with injuries. Get him back fit. There's another option there. Josh King as well. We failed to think about a game where he's actually played very well. He might get sold this this window, but what that means is another player can come in uh, in his place. And again automatically would would be improved so yeah they, they, they can only get better they've got the most balance in the league they've got the best strength and depth in the league they've got the best away record one of the best away records in the league they're just a few points off uh, I think it's six points off Norwich at the top and they've got the players to come back and they've got the better players, better squad as well so for me it has to be Bournemouth because they've got the players, they've got the consistency they can do it They've got
0: ridiculous amounts of quality, haven't they? Mm -hmm. It's almost an, an embarrassment of riches, really. For me, this was between Bournemouth and Brentford, but I've gone for the latter because they seem to be getting better and better which is promising when you're a side already fourth in the Championship. The question marks I have over them seem to just keep getting answered. Can Ivan Tony step into Watkins' shoes? Yes. Can that defence continue to be as steady as it was last season? Yes. Can Sergi Kanos step up and score more goals? Yes, I could go on. In every position, they've got a player who I would consider one of the best in the league. And the team, as a unit, is clicking, as with every side. There's a few things they still need to get right, such as Emboomer's form and maintaining Canos' goal-scoring. But as we sit here right now, halfway through the season, Brentford, for me, look like the team most likely to go up. I mean, when I say it's between Bournemouth and Brentford, we're talking Bournemouth are just slightly behind. But I, I think those two are the two teams that will go up automatically as it stands.
1: Um,
0: Justin, this is interesting. The teams we think will get better and which teams we think will fall. Now, over the years, we've seen plenty of teams have a storming second half of the season and come out of nowhere, really, to fly up the table, even challenge for the playoffs, maybe even further. Last season, for example, Wigan were third from bottom on New Year's Day in 2020. They finished 13th, if you ignore the points deduction. Uh, The season before, Villa were 13th after 28 games have finished the season as playoff winners so who are you backing this season to have a meteoric rise up the table in the second half of the campaign
1: it wouldn't quite be meteoric because the team that I've chosen are I think they're eighth Um, so for me it's Stoke City out of the teams in the league they're probably or the teams that will will fill this category they are without doubt better set to make a a push up the table because I think they will finish in the playoffs They've only won three of the last 10 games They've drawn a lot of those games Conceded, very minimal as well So for me, they all, all they need to do is bring in A couple of forward players, which they have Matondo, Alfie Doherty at Charlton's been linked Which gives them a different dimension on the left hand side As well, so as I say, Rabbi Matondo Is going to come in and he's going to add a, a Completely different dimension to that attack because Stephen Fletcher's not blessed with pace, pace <laughs> Matondo is um, So yeah, it, it, all, all the lacking Is goals and I think once, once they sort that issue Out, they're going to climb the table quite quick
0: do you want to hear a really weird stat? At away from me. home, Stoke have only conceded five goals this season, which is the least in the whole league. At home, they've conceded 17, which is the second most in the league. Very weird stat. Um, having said that, Stoke's home form isn't particularly bad either. It's just they leak a lot of goals yeah. at, at the Bet365 Stadium for some reason. Um you've kind of taken the question again and not really gone with the spirit of it, Justin, because I was looking for a team who were maybe in the bottom half of the table and could fly (coughs) up the table, but you've gone for someone who's on the edge of the playoffs. Never mind.
1: I'm looking at the bottom half and I'm thinking, there's issues with you. There's issues with you. You're not going to do anything. You know, there's just
0: countless... It's not going to stay as it is, though, is it? There's always going to be a team who climbs the table, isn't there? And I'll tell you mine now. I initially had down Cardiff who I think will climb the table once Kiefer Moore's back, and maybe if they bring in a number 10 in January. Instead, I've gone for Forrest. Quite simply, they can't possibly have a poorer second half of the season than the first, can they? I mean, it's been a disaster of the campaign so far, but with Chris Hughton, they have one of the best managers you can have at this level, and I've got full faith he can turn a corner with this side, as long as he's given the reins to do so, and that's a big Asterix against that, Um, but the teams there for them to climb the table, isn't it? I mean, Knockyart, Lolly, Freeman, Taylor, Wavell, Grabble, uh, Grabbin. These are all very good players at this level, and it's up to Chris Houghton to decide who he wants to keep. Hopefully, he uses this window to get things back on track and sort things out. If he does, then there's no reason why Forest can't have a brilliant second half of the season. I mean, there are signs that they're turning the corner, they're unbeaten in five. Sure, they're not scoring many and they've drawn quite a few of those games. But with the players they've got, they could click at any moment. I'm not saying they'll finish in the playoffs this season, Justin, but 15 points off the top half? Why not? So, yeah, I'd say Forrest can have a much better second half of the campaign than the first. This is a very interesting one, Justin, just to round off our mid-season predictions, I suppose. The team that we think will fall down the table. I mean, you only have to look at last season to see how far some teams can fall <laughs> on New Year's Day. Wednesday was 7th and finished 17th. Hall were 8th and finished bottom. I'm not sure we're expecting anyone to have a Hall-style collapse this season. But who would you say is the side which you think will fall the most places in the second half
1: of the season? It, it really was a toss of a coin for me, but I've gone with Bristol City.
0: I've also gone for Bristol City. Out of interest, who was the other side you were going to go for?
1: I was actually going to go for Preston.
0: OK, right, that's understandable as well. But yeah. we'll, we'll ignore that for now. Why have you gone for Bristol City?
1: I think firstly the injuries they suffered to the key players um, and the recruitment over the last couple of years has harmed them as well. We've barely seen some players play. You've got Liam Walsh, who I tipped to have a stormer of a season. He hasn't featured much because he's been injured. Joe Williams as well. Up front, Chris Martin was a good addition, but he needs to be playing alongside uh, either um, inside forwards, wingers, uh, or a, a pacey forward alongside him. Naki Wells doesn't offer anything other than being able to poke a goal in in 6 yard box either. <laughs> Jeju is good for 13-14 goals a season, but Holden doesn't play him often enough. And for me, that's, that's why it's a recipe for... a I don't think they'll get relegated or even drop near the relegation zone but I think I think they're going to drop three or four five maybe uh, maybe five places down the table because all of that is just a recipe for it there's just a lot of inconsistency and poor management in terms of recruitment
0: yeah I know I've spoken before about how I think Reading and Norwich won't finish where they are now I still think that's the case but if I had to bet money on a side who will drop the most places then I'd have to say Bristol City as it stands they're 10th Which is quite surprising, really, because I don't think they've played particularly well this season. And I think a lot of Bristol City fans will agree with me when I say that. Uh, Dean Holden has managed to grind out some decent results early on, but the signs of a slide are there. Not playing particularly well. Massive injury problems. Recent form has been poor and certain players are underperforming. You look at Naki Wells, who looks bereft of confidence now. The fans have never been fully convinced by Dean Holden. I mean, he comes across as a lovely bloke and you can tell that he really wants to succeed as a manager, but he's ultimately inexperienced. And with the mounting injury problems, he's been dealt a bloody tough hand in his first year as a manager. Uh, When I look at the table and try to picture how this season's going to pan out, they're definitely the side in the top half who I start asking a lot of questions about. I want to emphasise, I can't see them having a Hall-style blow-up. I'm not sure we'll ever see anything like that again in the Championship. But I'd be very surprised if they were still in the top half come the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, let's go on to Who Knows Wins. This is our league where you can win money by correctly predicting the results of Championship games. It's really easy to do. Just download the Who Knows Wins app, join our league Guess the most correct results out of all the games in the championship the more people involved the bigger the prize there was no championship games this week so we're looking ahead to next weekend Justin can you help me out here who will you be backing out of the first championship game which is Borough versus Birmingham
1: Borough all day
0: I would also go Borough all day Blackburn Stoke draw all day I <laughs> I'll go a nil-nil draw there for me. Bournemouth-Luton. Bournemouth. Got to be Bournemouth. Bristol City-Preston. Draw. I'm going to go Preston, you know. They're on a bit of a decent run at the moment. Cardiff-Norwich. Norwich. Draw for me. Coventry-Wednesday. Coventry. I think I'll go Coventry as well. Derby-Rotherham.
1: Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> derby
0: You're excited for that game then? (laughs) Um, I'll go Derby. Forest, Millwall.
1: Ooh, that'd be a good game now.
0: Well, ish. Uh, I'll go Draw. I'll go Forest. QPR, Wickham. Oh man, Wickham. Gareth Ainsworth, Derby. I'll go Draw. Reading, Brentford.
1: I'm
0: going to go Reading. I'm going to go Brentford. Watford, Huddersfield.
1: I'm going to go Huddersfield.
0: I'm going to go Watford. Uh, varnsley Swansea draw oh that's a tough game that Mm -hmm. is a really tough game I'm going to go Swansea right so that's who knows wins make sure you join our league to win some big prizes and now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news and more than 100 positive COVID-19 cases have been recorded after tests were carried out among players and staff at 66 EFL clubs amongst them Norwich goalkeeper Tim Crawl and Brentford manager Thomas Frank. Uh, Justin, I do see stuff like that and I do worry that football might be cancelled again soon just because of the mounting cases. We saw the chaos in the FA Cup (laughs) at the weekend and I do... It does make me a bit concerned about how the next few weeks are going to pan out from a football perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think I wouldn't be surprised if there's a two-three week gap, a break. Sorry, Um, because that 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 amount of positive tests is just so hard to iron out in a in a week. You have to have Mm. some sort of break between games. The thing that really annoys me is this. It feels like everyone's taking their foot off their gas. From a footballing perspective, because I don't think people I don't think they are not been testing twice a week, have they, throughout between the summer well, and, and it's now, interesting
0: you they? say that players and staff at EFL clubs will be given coronavirus tests twice a week to help find asymptomatic cases earlier. This is starting from the coming week. Yeah. So uh, that is being brought in and it looks like the EFL is finally putting its foot down to do something about it. It's being fully funded by the PFA. And uh, it's being brought in to combat the virus's new, more infectious variant. Um, but yeah, I, as you say, it's, um, it, is, it is concerning. Uh, the more tests as well will probably mean more players missing at the end of the day. Because that's, all to, that's how it works, isn't it? Um, but it, it is worrying. If they do have a break, it's going to leave the fixture schedule even more you know chaotic than it is because we're playing two games a week as it is and uh, obviously we've got the euros coming up in the summer Mm. so they'll want to have that sorted out it's going to take a lot of uh, planning from the efl to figure that out according to the daily mail championship players have been told they cannot have showers after training unless they live more than an hour away that's as part of strict new covid guidance from the efl Uh, that's a bit annoying if you live 55 minutes away you've got to go home stinking after a training session
1: the logic would be you're cleaning yourself right
0: but i am i guess you can still pass on covid even though you're in the shower
1: you're still mixing anyway
0: yeah unless you're wearing mask all the time just wear a mask in the shower some of the guidance doesn't seem to make much sense to me anyway because lip service well players are in the box together anyway Um, right next to each other I know they're outside but you you can still pass on COVID from that point anyway so it doesn't really make much sense to me anyway but uh, nonetheless we're not here to have a debate about COVID let's move on Justin (laughs) Uh, it is now the January transfer window so clubs have been getting busy and we haven't got time to go through all the deals, so apologies if we don't mention your club. But we'll start off with this, Justin. Charlie Austin's back at QPR. He joins on loan from West Brom until the end of the season. It's one of those romantic stories, isn't it? Seeing a player going back to the club where he was just quality. And yeah. QPR need him, don't they? They need a striker like Charlie Austin.
1: Charlie Austin is hes going to come in and he's going to say it as it is. You know he, he's gonna does. he's he's gonna ruffle feathers in that in that dressing room and uh, he's such an experienced player i won't be surprised to see him i would be surprised to see him at double figures you know because we're putting out in the live stream that life's chairs create so many chances but no one's been putting them away he's a man who's going to do that and um yeah as you say it brings a tear to the eye when a when an old an old man an old man an old player comes back <laughs> an old man <laughs> yeah an old player <laughs> comes back into a team that they did so well in
0: Hopefully that'll be uh, one that works out for all parties. Reading left-back Omar Richards is close to agreeing a deal with Bayern Munich. The 22-year-old is out of contract this summer and looks likely to leave at the end of the season. It's nice to see a young English talent going to a European giant like this, but from a Reading perspective, it must be bloody annoying knowing that they're probably not going to get any money out of it.
1: I think they qualify for some sort of fee,
0: don't they? I'm not sure if they do. Does he have to be under a... 21
1: it's under under 24 you qualify for a fee it's not as much it's not as much as you'd get if he was under contract because if he had two years left he'd get 15-20 million for him no
0: there there were reports that um, the higher ups at Reading reckon they would have got 15 million from any deal if he did have a contract there, but they won't get that now, will they? Uh, Stoke have signed Schalke youngster, Rabi Matondo. The 20-year-old was at Cardiff as a youngster, then he went to Man City, then he went to Schalke for £11 million in 2019, and he's played quite a bit for their first team as well. He's also got seven caps for Wales. He's without a doubt the player I'm most looking forward to seeing in the second half of the season, and I can't see another player coming in who I'll be more excited about. Not only is he a young lad who we've heard plenty about he's very entertaining to watch isn't he <laughs>
1: yeah yeah I, I don't know it's very entertaining to watch yeah he's he's, he's, a, he's a raw talent and um it's, it's going to be good to see him and it's going to be good to see what Michael O'Neill can get out of him and what he brings to that Stoke City attack and how that Stoke City attack is going to function with him in because he's not a Tyrese Campbell he's not a striker he's a wide player so yeah there's a lot of not question marks but a lot of intrigue there so um, I'm quite excited to see how it pans out
0: well, Tyrese Campbell played on the wing, didn't he, But this season? That's why I put him as left-wing in my team of the season. So you imagine he will be a direct replacement for him, really, because they need a bit of flair in that team, and he provides that. Morgan Gibbs-White has been recalled from his loan at Swansea by Wolves. Very disappointing, that. He's been out-injured for so long, and then as soon as he comes back from
1: injury, Wolves we'll say, nah, we'll have him back, lads. It's what I think, where even I sit and I want to put my fist through the wall. It's like... <laughs> Let him have a season at Swansea because Steve Cooper. You've seen what Steve Cooper can do. With players like wool um, and Brewster, for example, went for twenty odd million. Conor Gallagher's exactly. one of West Brom's best players. You know, Mark Gay has been fantastic. So let him stay there for the rest of the season. You're not going to yeah. play him. You're not going
0: to uh, play him. exactly. He, he hasn't been playing for Wolves when he has been at Wolves for yeah. the past few years now. So surely this is the perfect opportunity to let him develop as a player. But unless we're wrong and Wolves actually do start playing but I'll be surprised if they do Uh, let's move on Preston have been by by far the busiest club in the transfer window so far they've signed midfielder Jason Molumby on loan from Brighton he was at Millwall last season striker Ched Evans on a free from Fleetwood they've also loaned in goalkeeper Daniel Everson from Leicester after an injury to Declan Rudd so they've been Very bloody busy. Let's move on from transfer news, Justin, to The Athletic, because they've claimed Derby still haven't paid some of their players their wages for December. Um, The takeover, wages not being paid, it all seems a bit of a mess behind the scenes at Derby, doesn't
1: it? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it does. And there there are two two sides to this coin where you're either really bad at your organisation, so therefore you've not yet sent the funds over to pay the players this is the new ownership or you're skint what is it either way it doesn't sound like good news um I, i'm currently reading a book which depicts darby's past over the last sort of 20 years and it it cries a lot out it cries a lot of um, how it was 15 years ago under the three amigos if anyone's interested in that read it cause it's very interesting and very very corrupt <laughs> <laughs> right
0: to the point. Um not saying that the current derby no. administration are corrupt. Just want to put that out there before we get sued. Um but it's very worrying a to does. read from a yeah from the outside perspective especially because this takeover has been imminent for months now and just doesn't seem to get over the line for whatever reason. Uh, let's wrap up the news Justin by uh, Telling this, Birmingham City have reappointed Craig Gardner to their coaching team less than two months after he left the club to go to Sheffield Wednesday. Don't worry, Craig. U-turns are fashionable nowadays.
1: Here's an interesting stat for you. Uh, Gary Gardner and Craig Gardner have both left and joined. There's been a Gardner at Birmingham City since like 2015.
0: I imagine they've got quite a few gardeners because they need to maintain the pitch, don't they? Oh, but God. either way, let's move on to <laughs> the polls. This is the part of the show where we ask you three questions on Twitter at the very start of our recording. And uh, we basically want to get your thoughts on a few things. So the first question we put to you on Twitter was, who has been the best player in the championship this season? I asked this question just before we pull out the polls and the foremost common answers were Emmy Brendia, Mark Gurhi, Lucas Schell. Ivan Tony. Who would you have gone for, Justin? Oh, you said Emmy Brendier earlier, didn't yeah, you? Uh. Um, so, forty percent said Emmy Brendia. Thirty-five percent said Ivan Tony. He's very close between those two. Lucas Zhao said uh, got fifteen percent. Mark Gohe got ten percent. Uh, if you had to back one team to get promoted from the Championship this season, which would it be? You said Bournemouth. I, I said do. Brentford. Uh, Norwich and Swansea were the other options, because they're the top four at the moment. Norwich got 45%. Bournemouth got 22%. Brentford got 19%. Swansea got 14%. And the final question we put out was, can we all just agree to forget Donald Trump existed? Yes or no? Which one are you going for? Yes, absolutely. I'd agree with that. 70% said yes. 30% said no. Not sure who voted no for that, but Mm. either way, there you go. Right, that is the polls. Now it's time for... Well, it would usually be time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight, Justin, but there's only you this week. So instead, we're doing Craig Bryson's pub quiz. Back from the dead. It's a throwback, ladies and gentlemen. So if you haven't listened to the show before this season, um, then this is the game that we used to play instead of Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. It's very simple. I'm going to give Justin six clues about a championship legend all he's got to do is try and guess that championship legend before the clues are up he's made at least 200 championship appearances and uh, will have played in the last 15 20 years or so so the first clue for you justin i started my career off at a club called vans vans
1: it's a shoe brand or van van or vans i'm not sure uh i don't know michael doyle it's not Michael Doyle. <laughs> uh,
0: I was playing in the French Amateur Leagues until I was
1: 24. Oh, uh, I feel like you might get this. Oh, um, you know what? There are a lot of players on the tip of my tongue here. Uh, French Amateur Leagues... Uh, oh, uh, next clue, next clue, next clue.
0: I then went on to play in the French Second Division for a few years and didn't move to England
1: until I was 28. Um. Uh, ah, uh, Mamadie Sidibe. Sorry, I hit my head on uh, my headphones. <laughs> 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 that's,
0: that's what happens when you start panicking at yeah. some <laughs> quiz. Um, it's not Mamadie Sidibe. <sighs> that's when I joined Leicester in my debut season as a striker. I scored one goal in 20 games.
1: Oh, this has railed me. Um, that was a weird way of saying that. Um, Mark De Vries. <laughs> <laughs> It's not Mark De Vries. Who's that? He's Dutch. He's not French. That was a bad, bad guess.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Your second from last clue. I went on to play for three other clubs in the championship, including Reading and Charlton. (sighs) Have I caught you (sighs) off guard here? You're starting to panic.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a bit like football in any way. You need you need a couple of these games to get going. So just one out of the blue is a nightmare. Play for Reading and Charlton. Yeah, in match fitness. Craig Bryson, Quiz Fitness. Um, he played for Reading and Charlton after Leicester. I don't know. Uh, God, I thought you'd get this. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Do you want your last clue? Yeah.
0: I'm unfortunately best known for a penalty.
1: Oh, my God. You know what? They were, they were hard clues because if you'd have said Bournemouth, I'd have got that. Because it's Jan Kermigan. It's Yan Kermigan. It is Jan Kermigan.
0: Uh That's why I didn't say Bournemouth, because I didn't want it to be too easy. I wanted to keep you guessing until the very last moment, but congratulations on getting it. It doesn't matter how you get there, Justin, as long as you get there, so well done. You had a surprise Craig Bryson pub quiz out mm. of nowhere, kind of like an RKO, uh, but you managed to overcome it eventually. Are you proud? And I con-
1: yeah, and I can concussed myself as well. So
0: There you go. Uh, so that's it for us we have games on Tuesday but it's just a couple of games uh, so we won't be bringing you an episode on Thursday instead we're hoping to bring you a second tier meets with a championship legend it's someone who when we started doing the meets episode I really wanted to get on because I've got so much to ask him but hopefully that should be coming on Thursday bar any hiccups otherwise we'll definitely have an episode on Sunday for you as usual we look forward to seeing you then whatever the case just a quick reminder that if you could spare a minute giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the world to us. And if you're feeling really generous, then please consider retweeting the link to our new episode on Twitter and telling people how much you enjoy the podcast. Anything like that seriously does help us a lot. So we will be forever grateful, dear listener. So we look forward to seeing you over the next week. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.